0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I want, I want to preface this because I'm, I'm going to talk tonight about uh, Acts, the, the first and second chapter. And you know, again, depending on biblical backgrounds that you may or may not have, it could be considered controversial or not controversial. Uh, again, depending on how you were raised. Some of you raised First Church of the Heathen. You have no idea what I'm talking about. But you know, depending on your background. But one of the things we've outlined before, and I I won't, because of time, I won't go all into it, but here's the thing. We always have to understand this. God always gives us choices. God does not force. He gives choices. And Deuteronomy, uh, Joshua was, well, actually it was Moses that was speaking to the people. Just go ahead and put that down. He said, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you, but I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Always a choice. Jesus in uh, Revelation 3:20 said, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door." Notice it didn't say, "I stand at the door and knock, and if you don't open it, I'm coming in. I'm going to bust this door down and come in." Because I'm going to. God does not force. Have you ever? I I was thinking about that, and I I was thinking about uh, relationships. How many of you know it's not good to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to be in the relationship with you? Back before the days of Facebook, there used to be something called blind dates. You might remember a blind date. Now, now, man, you can scope someone out. You know their whole life story before you go out with them. But there used to be. It's like, hey, hey, Alan, my cousin's coming into town, and you know, I, I got to get a date for this. That w- would you be willing to go? And and then you ask these really. Spiritual questions like, what does she look like? <laughs> and they say things like, she's got a great personality. And you're like, okay, that's, the... that's what they use. Hey, I'm, just, I'm going old school here. It's called a blind date. For those of you who have never experienced that, you might want to Google that. But it is an actual phenomenon. And, and you would date. But if you've ever been on a date where you know the individual that was dating you was roped into it. And they're like, hi, I had to go out because my cousin's here. Hey, I had to go out with you. And you're like, great, I had to go out with you too. That's an exciting date. Or you hit the jackpot and the and blind date is like 15 steps out of your league. And you're like, touchdown. And she's like, ugh. Oh. You can tell when someone doesn't want to be in that relationship or in that date, can we not? Mm -hmm. And so here's the thing. It's not love if you're forced. And when God says he loves us, it's not forced. But when he asks us to love him, it's always our choice. Because if it's not a choice, it's not love. Put a gun to someone's head and said, smile at me because you like me, that's not a choice. That's being forced. God always offers choices. Now, here's something that's interesting. I've I've observed this over the years, and I wish I could say it's gotten better. I don't know why we do this in the body of Christ, but it seems like, and I've done it and we've done it, it seems like when we find people that disagree with us, we feel like it's our responsibility to straighten them out and correct them. (laughs) And, and, and you see that a lot, and, and quite honestly, I honestly personally think we waste a lot of time in the body of Christ correcting one another instead of reaching the lost. I, I do. I, I think... Because here's what's going to happen. We're going to get to heaven and find out none of us are completely 100% right. And they're going to probably have a special remedial class for preachers. <laughs> And they're going to teach us, where, listen, no one's 100% right. But one of the best things to do is, even if you disagree with someone, don't discourage them. Amen. Now, let me give you the principle for that. I, I was praying about this one time, and the Lord showed me this, this, this pattern, and it's found in, uh, in Numbers, the 32nd chapter, and we're going to read it. Let's go ahead and put it up. Therefore, they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession do not take us over the Jordan. And Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now why would you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? Now let me give you the back story. The nation of Israel had come out of Egypt. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. The promised land was across the Jordan. All the tribes had gotten there and... All the tribes were intended to go in and God would allocate the land to them on the other side. They had to fight. They had to get rid of some some height. Remember all the ites there, the Hittites and the Jebusites and all the ites. The ites were full in the land and they were going to have to go in there and drive them out. The Lord said, I'll do that. I'll help you. But you had two tribes that came to Moses and said, we don't want to go. We, We are going to take this land here on the other side of the Jordan. God had always said the promised land was across the Jordan, but they said, nope, we're happy on this side of the Jordan. So technically they were not in the promised land, but Moses said, oh, don't do it. In fact, he made them, he made them swear that when it was time to go in, all their men of war had to cross the Jordan with the rest of the children of Israel to help them take the land that God had promised them, then they could go back. So are you catching that story? you got a group of people that said, we don't want to go across the Jordan. We know that's the promised land, but we're happy right here. And Moses said, okay, but don't discourage the hearts of the ones who are going in. Now, here's the point. Always in, in life, you're going to find people who believe that God has something more for them. You're going to find people that believe and depending on how you, how you were raised, I, I was raised that, that God had The baptism of the Holy Spirit belonged to us. That being healed belonged to us. That God's provision belonged to us. That His guidance and help belonged to us. So, in other words, those things are our promised land. But what happens is a lot of times you've got people on this side going, No, that's passed away. No, that's wrong. No, you shouldn't do that. Here's my point whether, if you don't listen, I tell people, if you're happy on this side of the Jordan, fine. And someone says, you know what? I believe that the Holy Spirit, there's more power available for me and I can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Your job is not to go, no, that's wrong. Your job is to go, go right ahead, brother. I'll pray for you. Someone will believe, well, Alan, I believe believe healing belongs to us. I'll tell you something. I'm glad my family figured out a long time ago that healing belonged to us, or I'd have lost a wife and I'd have had problems and lost a, a daughter. I'd have had a lot of problems, but I found out the healing is the promised land. Listen, the promised land is not heaven. And you say, well, I thought heaven's a problem. Heaven is where we go when we die, but there are no giants in heaven. There's no ites in heaven. No Jebusites, no battles. To fight. I mean, not even know when you get to heaven, you're not going to have to fight for your land. Lord said, here's where you're going to live, but you've got to fight. There's some bad people out there. You've got to get rid of them. Heaven, the Bible said, no crying, no dying, no sighing, no tears, which means no battles. Heaven is not the promised land. Our promised land is where we need it now. I don't need healing when I get to heaven. It's, I have a brand new glorified body. It's, it's already healed. I need healing now. I don't need to be. I don't need to be filled with power when I get to heaven. Why? Everyone up there is saved. You can't evangelize in heaven. Why are you here? Well, I, I need to evangelize and win the lost. No, everybody who's up here has already got that settled. So, I, so I want you to listen to me because some of you, you know, depending on how you raise, raised, are like, I'm not for that. One, make sure you have scripture. And number two, even if you decide, no, nope, don't want it, don't discourage anyone else Amen. from receiving. Does that make sense? I, I, I think that's fair. I, I think at the arc, what we've done for a number of years is we have people all over the, the, the spiritual map here. We don't, we don't advise everyone think like we do. We don't, we don't tell people if you don't, if you don't believe like we do, we're going to kick you out. We love people. We love Jesus. We realize it was God's grace. The only reason is we're here anyway. And so we're real open, but we stay with scripture. And I tell people, don't get mad. It's scripture. So you're like, well, my Aunt Ethel was the finest Christian in the world. And she said, love Aunt Ethel. When I get to heaven, I'll say hi. But right here, I need scripture, not Aunt Ethel. So, so, and, and like I said, you know, we, we share things. We don't have to divide. Does that make sense? Healing, guidance, provision, being empowered by the spirit of God, not our place to discourage anyone desiring more from God. Jesus' instructions to his disciples, go into all the world, but first wait for the promise. Acts 1, 44 through 5. Let's read this. And being assembled together with him, he commanded that he, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The word baptized means to be fully covered or immersed. A great picture is water baptism. I realize some of you were baptized maybe as a child, baptized in other denominations, and they sprinkled. The biblical way is immersion. Baptized, the word means to immerse. And what Jesus is saying, he said, John baptized with water. In other words, when John was baptizing, he's immersing people with water and, and they come up. He said, But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What's that mean? Immersed in the Holy Spirit, which is a different story. So as he's talking about that, it's not the first time that being baptized in the Holy Spirit was mentioned. Let's go to Luke, third chapter, verse 16. John, this is John the Baptist answer to say, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John is referencing being baptized or immersed in the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about it and he's talking about it to people who had followed him for three years. So he's talking to all his, his disciples and he's telling them before you go, you wait for the promise of the Father. Now that promise is found in Acts 1. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now this was interesting that he's talking to the ones that, that walk with Jesus closer than anybody else. These were the ones that stayed with him for three years. Now when he talks about power, that word power there means might, strength and ability. He's saying, listen, I know you guys walk with me for a long time. I know you've been with me for three years, but this was the group. So he's talking to Peter and James and John and Thomas and all these people. He said, he said, guys, I need you to wait for the promise. He said, and when the promise comes, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to send to you. When he comes, he's going to give you the power to be a witness to me. So it was Jesus and John who were talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he told them, don't leave Jerusalem until you have this power. Now, here's an interesting thing. If anybody who knew, could know Jesus, it would be the guys who walked with him for three years. And yet he still told them, you need, to be, you need power. And you need the power and the ability of the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. Now, we've talked about some of the, the role of the Holy Spirit and his power and our lives. And Jesus said it's necessary to these guys that he personally trained for three years and then told them, you need this, stay and wait. Acts, the second chapter, is where we see this promise fulfilled. Acts chapter two, verses one through four. On the day of Pentecost, Pentecost, by the way, is a, is a Jewish holiday. When The day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The day of Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. So we're talking about 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. The disciples were all in an upper room. They were praying. They were waiting. What were they waiting for? What Jesus had said. There's a promise coming for you. Don't leave Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The power from on high, so they were praying, and suddenly there was a sound like a rushing mighty wind. And the Holy Spirit came and said, sat on each of them. And there were flames of fire. We don't ever see that again, but we do see people being filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit again. It's not a one-time occurrence. We just see the, the flames of fire as a one-time occurrence. They spilled out into the street, and it began to draw a crowd. In fact, some of the people said, oh, These men are drunk. They're all filled with the spirit. They're out they said, These men are drunk. And Peter stood up and explained it. So care if you've got that. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only about the third hour of the day, you know, it's, it's the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last day, said God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream, young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. So this is Peter who stands up and begins to speak. And he's saying, guys, this is what the prophet Joel said was coming that God will pour out. Now, I want you to catch that pouring out, immersed in, poured out. The key about being, uh, about this as is, is a different experience is when you're born again, you were born of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. So don't let anyone ever tell you, and I know that some people from Pentecostal backgrounds have said, listen, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, unless you speak with tongues, you're not saved. They're wrong. Wrong. If you are born of God, if you have made Jesus your Lord, you've been born again. You got born again by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in you. But, but there is a difference between the Holy Spirit being in you and you being immersed in him. Just like there's a difference between water in and water on. Let's see if I have, a, do I have a glass of water. I don't. I, I would always, I've done this in the past of, Gerald, I'm not drinking your water after you. <laughs> I don't, your lips have been wrapped around that thing and there, there is no way. Water, water in. How many, how many of you know that you can drink water and it goes in you? This is not a trick question. You can just go in. You can drink water. and it's not open. Thank you so much. I trust her. Okay. I, I can drink this. I now have water in me. I can also take it and I now have water on me. When you're born again, you have the Spirit within. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have the Spirit upon. Separate event. And I'll show you that more from the scriptures. That makes sense? Darlene, just forgive me for pouring water on your rug. <laughs> Holy Spirit in, Holy Spirit upon. Now, when Peter is talking, the evidence of Peter beginning to speak, he began to talk to the crowds. Now, remember, this is Peter who, was, who backed down in front of a girl that accused him of being a follower of Jesus. Now they're spilling out into the street and, and Peter's preaching in Acts, the second chapter, verses 37 and 38, this is Peter talking. So when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when they did that, I believe it was, was it three or 5,000? It was 5,000 that got saved right there when Peter spoke. So obviously we're beginning to see the evidence of power, and he talked about receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, which follows receiving salvation. Now let me, go, let me go again into the events of the day of Pentecost was not a one-time occurrence. Early church began to grow. They were growing rapidly, but they were growing only in Jerusalem. What they had not caught on to was the fact that Jesus said, go into all the world. And they weren't going into all the world, and in fact, they, were, they really only believed that salvation was for Jewish people the Jewish background, but they went down, they had an experience in Samaria that changed that. So let's look at, We're going to read this again, look at a lot of scriptures. This is Acts, the eighth chapter, and they they had some persecution that began to come on the church and they got scattered. So therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself, Simon was a sorcerer, himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now, how many of you think, just looking at those scriptures, that they were having a little bit of a revival there? Philip went down and he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And men and women were baptized. How many of you have been baptized in water? How many of you know that you got baptized in water? Was it before or after you made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ? It's after, isn't it? We we make that. In fact, the baptism is often the best witness of the fact that you have made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. So what what happened is Philip goes down there to these Samaritans, which was a surprise because Samaritans were half-breed Jews. And big, they had big religious problems with all the Jewish people. And Philip goes down and he starts preaching Jesus to them. Well, man, they start hearing this and said, and men and women believe what Philip was preaching and they started getting baptized. So you got people getting baptized left and right. How, that, to, does that sound like a good deal? We're going to baptize a lot of people. You know, the youth baptized about 50 people a couple of weeks ago in the rain. Was it last week when it was raining so bad? Hey, listen, if, if, if 50 teenagers get baptized, we ought to be very happy about that Amen. and rejoice in that. And there's some great things that happen to that. But when you get baptized is what you're saying is, I profess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And now that I've done that, I, I believe that God raised him from the dead. You're born again. How many of you know if you prayed that prayer that you are saved according to the scriptures? That's right. Baptism, how no know baptism does not save you Baptism is a visible outward sign of what God has done already in your heart. When you go down to the water, you're buried with him in baptism into death. You are raised to newness of life with him when you come up out of the water. It's a metaphor. It's a beautiful metaphor. And that's why every time that we do baptisms, it touches people's hearts and and people. But how many of you believe now these people in Samaria are saved? Not a trick question. (laughs) Saved? Yes, but look what happens. Verse, Acts 8, verses 14 through 19. Now, when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and, when, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon, Simon was the sorcerer, saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Here they were, these people had received the word of God, and the word got back to Jerusalem. Someone sent a text. Y'all better come. We got Samaritans getting saved left and right down here. And they got the text. I went, whoa, whoa. Sam- I didn't know that God could save Samaritans. He said, yep, they received the word of God. They've been baptized. Well, then why did they send Peter and John down to them? Were they saved? And remember, they said they laid hands on them. Now, just stop and think about that. Peter and John laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that we have never laid hands on anyone here to get saved? Your cousin calls you up and says, man, I am not doing well. Can I come to church with you tonight? I I need to get saved. And you say to them, absolutely. And after the service, we'll come down and I'll have Pastor Allen lay hands on you and you'll be saved. Please tell me you do not tell them that. (laughs) What do you tell them? Hey, you come and at the end of the service we're going to pray. And when we pray, that's your opportunity to receive the Lord. Isn't that what we tell people? Yes. And when we come, and that's why when some of you bring friends and the time come times for the yes and I, ask, I cl- close my eyes, you got one eye watching your friend the whole time. <laughs> right? Because you want to see if that hand goes up. You want to see if they pray. Matt brought a friend to Church one time when he was just a little guy, a little friend down the down the street came from a, a, a unchurched family, and they, they gave the altar call, and Matt was watching his friend. His friend didn't raise his hand, so Matt reached over and grabbed his hand and put it. A... <laughs> we don't do that here. That that's not, that's not how we do. it. But how many of you know? You know that if all the, all they do, you know if all they do, is if if, if in their heart. They confess Jesus as their Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, that they walk out of here saved. And you, and you see your friend pray, and he walks out, and, he, and you go, Did you pray that prayer? And you go, Yeah, I prayed that prayer. You don't look at them and go, mm, We better come on down and have Pastor Allen lay hands on you, make sure that you are safe." We don't say, Tell me, we don't say that to anybody, do we? We don't need, we, we know because you've already made Jesus your Lord. You believed in your heart, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You look at them and go, thank God you're saved. They go, I don't feel saved. You go, don't worry about what you feel. God answered his promise. Or they might go, I feel awesome. You go, that's because all that guilt lifted off of you and you are saved. This is what happened in Samaria. They're getting saved. They're getting baptized. And they sent Peter and John down to them, who when they come, laid hands on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now why in the world would they do that if it wasn't a separate event? See, you don't send people to lay hands on unless it's different. He didn't send people down. They didn't say they sent them down there to confirm. He said they sent them down there to pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because they hadn't received him yet. The Bible said he hadn't fallen upon any of them. Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. And so he sent them down that they might... So they laid hands on him, and when they laid hands on him, Simon, and by the way, Simon was a sorcerer. He'd been fooling these people for a long time. He was kind of like a witch doctor, and he got saved. But evidently, something amazing is taking place because when they laid hands on these people, something was happening to them to the point where Simon said, i got to have this. I need some of this power in my life. So he's like, he's reaching in his pocket, man, going, what's going to take, guys, for me to buy this from you? Because, hey, you named a price. I'll I'll pay. I'll pay for it. Why? Something was happening. Now, if you you lay hands on someone and they just, nothing happens, you're not buying that. You're not paying for that. Something was taking place in their life. Something was happening, and Simon said, I got to have this power. Peter said, by the way, you can't buy it. How many of you know you can't buy any of God's gifts? So, we're laying a foundation. You listen so well. I'm not even going to launch into the next point. Next week, I'm going to go through and I'm going to again lay out, show you in the book of Acts where being saved, it means you're born of the Spirit. But there is a different event called being baptized or immersed with the Spirit. And it's a gift you have to receive because remember, God always gives choices. He doesn't force anybody. Right? Right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness thank you, Father, for your gifts and your grace. Lord, we thank you for the ability to receive the Lord Jesus and the ability to be empowered by your spirit. I thank you for everyone here tonight, that, they're, that you have such a good plan for them and so much more available for them, and I thank you for revealing that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed if you came this evening and said, you know what, Alan, I've never, I've never really gotten to the first place where I can say I've made Jesus my Lord. I can't say that honestly. Or maybe you're just a little unsure of that, but you would like to say, you would like to have Jesus be the Lord of your life. Or maybe you're like I was. I made a decision when I was young, I got away from God, and I knew in my heart I needed to come back. If either one of those situations applies to you, we're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come down to the front, but sitting right where you are, right in your chair. This is a prayer that you can pray. And God will hear it, and in fact, we'll pray it with you. And if you've never known before, you can know tonight. And if you've been away from God, you can come back tonight. Heads are bowed and eyes closed. No one's looking around. I am going to ask you to do one thing. If that's you that I'm talking to, and you say, Alan, that's me. I want to know, or I want to come back. Would you pray for me? I just need you to shoot your hand up real quick. Cross out to him. Thank you. Thanks. 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 Anyone else? Thank you. Yeah. Hands up all over. Thank you. Great. Appreciate your courage. In your honesty. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You really wanted to. Listen, pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it together as a church family. You can pray this too. Pray so you hear yourself pray it. Say, Dear God, God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I I can't save myself. myself. Jesus, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you heads are bowed, and eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who have been away, Father, thank you. You've forgiven them, and, and they're back home. Father, for those who have never known you, thank you that they have walked out of darkness into your marvelous light, and their life changes, as well as their eternity changes, and we are so grateful for that. We give you all the praise for that. Lord, thank you for continuing to reveal your word to us, and to teach us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.